Hi there, I'm Anya and welcome to the podcast Passionate Fempreneur. Here we are all about empowering women entrepreneurs around the world and giving them the right knowledge, mindset and confidence to succeed in what they're passionate about. So thank you for joining this movement and let's dive in in our next episode. Today I have a very special guest, uh, Terry Winston, who is a passionate entrepreneur, female entrepreneur, who is helping good people become great. Uh, she worked with many companies, also for Fortune 100 companies. One of them was PepsiCo and also Google, right? Absolutely. Okay. First question, Terry, would be, um, who are you as a human being? If, you, if your name was in a dictionary, <laughs> what would it say? <laughs> I love this question. Um, there, there would probably be a picture of me looking really confused, like, what? Uh, in a dictionary. <laughs> Because, and part of it is because I love variety. Like I am some of everything. Like you know, so I'm I'm positive. I'm, I am. Um, I always say that I have X-ray vision. I can always see inside of people to see their their best possibility. But I'm also kind of goofy and fun. Um, you are fun. Yeah. <laughs> I and I think for me, I love experiences, and that, that's kind of why my picture would be a little bit crazy. Because one day, you know. Being Tara Winston would mean sitting by yourself with a really good thick book, and then the next day it would be in some weird circus class. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be big question marks. Wikipedia would not know what to do with me. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. good answer. If you had a um, chance to interview yourself, mm-hmm. what would you ask yourself? Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> what would I ask myself? Yeah. I kind of love this. Now, so, just so you guys know, I did not want to see the questions in advance. And now I'm wishing, maybe I should have done so. Um, so now you're going to give me unfiltered. Oh, that's what you wanted. Um, I think I would ask myself, um, why? Like, that's, that's the one question. We, we spend so much time when we interview people asking, how did you get here? Or what did you do in your accomplishments? And I got to tell you, that's not, that's not what actually connects with real people. You should always ask people why they do what they did, because that's the lesson, right? The what, the, the accomplishments, you know, even how they got to, to somewhere. Like we always want someone to um, to show us the exact steps they took, because we want to get where they were. Exactly. But you shouldn't want to be where they were. Like you have your own vision, and you you know you are your own person. So when you understand why a person does what they do, then you have a better way of understanding how much of their advice you could take, how much you really want to be like them. I got to tell you that like I, you know, was as an executive coach, I get to see on the inside of lots of people. And you know, there are a bunch of people where I would love their money <laughs> or their power, but when I understand why they do what they do, I wouldn't want their lives. You wouldn't change it. I wouldn't now I wouldn't change it. So so yeah, I ask I ask me why. Like why did I make my choices? Why do I do what I do? Very good question and very good answer, actually. <laughs> when were the most obvious transformations in your life, personal and business, and what did you learn from that transformations, those transformations? You know, I just had a great conversation with my best friend about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> and if you ever want someone to keep you honest, go to your best friend because they are unimpressed by everything you've done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they remember yeah. things in a way you don't, right? Like, I, like, I kind of whitewashed it. Uh, so for me, not for everybody else, but for me, each of my transitions have been painful. Okay. Right. Okay. That's um, 
And it's interesting because, you know, and I, I, I love to think that I'm this massive risk taker and I jump out and do everything. But what happens is I start to feel a little bit of um, frustration. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm doing my, my job, I'm doing it. Whether I was working for a company mm-hmm. or even working on my own business, you know, when you start to feel a little, just, something just doesn't feel right, a little dissatisfied, not unhappy, just a little dissatisfied. And that little nugget grows and it grows and it grows. And all of a sudden, like, something on the inside is like, I'm not having fun with this. Yeah. But we're so good at just doing the, the work, right? Like, okay, I'll just do the work, I'll keep going. And so, what has happened, it takes me to finally hit, a, hit some either level of exhaustion. Or absolute, like, I cannot do this anymore. I hate my boss, or I can't sleep at night. Like, I, I get, rather than listening to that voice when, it, when it's small, yeah, right? Because we're so busy doing, I wait until it, it really finally says, No, you gotta change. And at that point, it's painful, it's right? Painful, yeah. <laughs> and, and then that's when I stop everything and I say, Okay. And I reflect on kind of what am I still enjoying? What don't I like? What needs to change? And then I transform into the next level. So, you know, that was leaving one company for another company. Yeah. That was leaving, you know, my, my very comfortable corporate life for this crazy entrepreneurial life. Mm-hmm. That was kind of building a new part of my business. Like each step of the way, you know, there's a voice that says, this still doesn't feel right. Um, now. Please be smarter than me. Don't wait until it's painful. But everybody, when it comes to tra- transformation, yeah. you, there's, there's something inside that says that there's something next. Um, and the smarter ones of us listen to that voice and have more confidence in ourselves. And if you're like me, you sometimes uh, a little slow on the uptake, um, it will get to a point where that voice is screaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we also learn from this kind of thing. So everything is as it should be. Absolutely, and I, and I have to say, like as much as you know, I joke about it being painful. And it was painful. Um, I now realized uh, I I can see when it's coming now. Yeah. Right. Like you know, I'm, I'll be in the middle. It doesn't have to be complete pain for me to say, okay, there's something bubbling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and to ask myself, kind of what, like what what is it? And usually, I can catch it beforehand now. You're so inspirational. I read that you quit your well-paid job during the recession. Like, come on, who does that? Inspirational, stupid, you know, it we, is. All, we it all is. have words. It is. It is. It is, it is. It is yeah. inspirational. I, For me, it is. I did, you know, I did. And, and I have to tell, tell you guys, like, I was not that person. I, I, I'm a very practical person. Like, the idea of quitting without a job in a recession never... If you'd asked me <laughs> 20 years ago, that would be me. Not at all. But, um, but for me, what was interesting is, is there was, I had a feeling. Yeah. Like there was, there was a voice inside of me. And, and, and what I realized, and this is something that I want everybody to try. If you look back yeah. at all the decisions that you've made in your life, and the ones that you decided they felt really good, like chances are the minute you heard about the opportunity, something inside was like, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we don't listen to those things, right? Because we're very smart people. We're very logical people. And so oftentimes, we talk ourselves into other decisions. So I had to go back and I did an inventory. Every time that voice in me said, yes, and I followed it, I tended to be happier with the end result, even if it wasn't perfect. Or even if it wasn't what I expected, I was glad I I did it, right? More often than not, when, when, when I had an opportunity and I was like, eh, I don't love it, but I okay. talked myself into it logically, mm-hmm. more often than not, I didn't, I didn't 
enjoy the experience or I wasn't necessarily glad that I had it, okay. right? And so you, you learn to start to trust that voice inside of you, which is muscle memory and experience and intuition and a whole bunch of other pieces all rolled up into one. Um, and that, that was the voice that I heard mm -hmm. that said quit. So I didn't know, you know, and the best way I could explain to people was, I don't know why I'm supposed to do it. I don't mm -hmm. even know what's on the other end, <laughs> but I know this is the right answer and I have enough, enough courage that whatever is on the back end, I can handle it. And I think that's the, that's the yes. other piece for, for everybody. Like, you spent how many years going to school? Like, you, you've, you've been a great student, you've been a hard worker. Whatever is on the back end, you can find your way back out of. And so I knew my worst case scenario was that I would, I would get to the back end of this and, and get a bad job making not enough money. That's like the worst case scenario. I would go find a job in a bad place, but I knew I could rebuild from there. And I think yeah. what, what, what holds some of us back is the fear that we cannot overcome yeah. whatever um, isn't the, the best outcome. Exactly. Where do you get all this confidence from? Like, <laughs> you know, because so many female entrepreneurs are really afraid, like scared. Like, mm -hmm. where do you get your confidence from? I wish I could say that, that I went to a store and ordered it, ordered it online on Amazon. Yeah. Um, we all wish for something like that. Maybe a new business idea. Right. I'm like, wait a minute now. Why do we do this? I can do this. Um, and I wish I could say that I had it every day. Because yeah. I don't. There's some days that I wake up and I'm like, I can't. I don't know. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, but I think there were a couple, couple things that happened. So um, I have great parents. I have really, really great parents that um, that basically built their own lives from nothing. Okay. Uh, they, like they have great, strong family structures. I love my crazy, my crazy family. But my, but my parents, each everything they got, they had to work for. Right? Okay. They, they weren't they weren't afraid of work, and they they didn't always have it easy. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what what it says is that I I I can't be scared of losing everything when I know people who didn't have much. Mm -hmm. And we're able to make a lot from it. They were able to, you know, to make great lives for my sister and I. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the, the the question becomes, what's the worst that could happen? Like that's that's the question that I push myself with, right? What's the worst that could happen? Okay, I can handle that, right? What yeah. I have to go and, and do something to make money to feed myself and my family? Okay, I can do that. Like I like I'm I'm willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then you realize you have you have nothing but runway. To work with, and I, you know, I, I also, I, um, there's a, a great woman, uh, her name is Jennifer, I won't, I won't give you her last name because I haven't asked her permission to tell okay. the story, okay. um, but, but we went to graduate school together, and she had, it was, had taken all these really wonderful tech jobs, and this was a time when every tech company kept closing and reopening and closing and reopening yeah. back in the 2000s, and she finally said to herself, like, why do I keep going to places and getting laid off? Um, and, and am I really following what I want to follow? Mm -hmm. She took that experience and then went into entertainment, right? Which is a really hard industry to go into. Mm -hmm. when, when people asked her, what, like, how does she have the courage? She's like, I, being, being let go so many times, you learn that you can get a job, yeah. right? Like sometimes, so when you look at people who, who struggle and stumble, it, you know, that should give you confidence that there's a way back from it. Mm -hmm. Like, so I take the, those lessons. And I help myself through on those days when I don't know um, if I have enough of my own confidence. <laughs> Perfect. 
So you're a coach to many companies, and mm-hmm. when did you realize that you can help people with your knowledge? You know, you you want a secret when it comes to all of our our talents and gifts. Yeah. Whatever your talent is, you have been doing since since you could talk. Exactly. Probably. Yeah. Um, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Right. Whatever that thing is, now we don't always recognize it as a as a marketable talent. Yeah. Because we do it so naturally that we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you, so if you would go back to when I was in when I was in um, secondary school. Mm-hmm. My father would tell you, so, okay, I'm old as all get out, so you may not remember this, but there was a time when the phones used to attach to the wall, mm-hmm. <laughs> and every family yeah. had one phone in the household, yeah. and my father would always get upset because I would be on the phone, and he said, why does everyone call you for, about their problems? Oh, and so from the very, like, so from, from that early time, I was always someone that people would call for their problems. Now, I did not recognize that as being anything of value. <laughs> I just thought that, that was, that was how I am as a friend. Oh, yeah. So I went to school and studied engineering, not connected at all. Not connected. Um, but I was good at math and sciences, right? And so, okay, I can do that. And I just kept, kept following the, well, what is it I should do? What should can I do? Um, and it took me years to say, well, what is it that I love to do? And when I, when I married all that together, all of a sudden, like, like, I could see the value. I enjoyed the work. And I realized that I was adding value to people. Um, and so it's been a big part of, of who I've been a long time, but I didn't see it. Nice. And, I, and my, my guess is that each and every one of you guys has something. Yeah. That if you were to tap into that, even in the vein of whatever your current job is, it would make you better. Yeah, actually, now you got me a lot to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I read that you had a lot of in- informational interviews before starting your career. Yeah. What was the reason behind that? Lack of confidence. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Lack of confidence. I, I did. I, I had a lot of. I had a lot of um, informational interviews because I. So I felt like okay, I want to do this this thing, and I like I I am the I fell into entrepreneurship. I wish I could okay. say like I I always w- wished I was this person had a great idea like okay, yeah. I'm gonna make the light bulb and then like build a business around the light bulb. I just knew that I had this this talent and that people needed it, exactly. right? And so as I started to get to to figure out okay, maybe I can do this on my own, but. One of, one, of my, one of my biggest concerns, and I will tell you, even as a coach right now, if you came to me and you said, Tara, I really want to be a painter, what I always want to make sure is to differentiate the love of painting from the desire to build a business as a painter. Because my entrepreneurs, we know that, that what it takes to build a business isn't always the stuff that you love to do. Oh, exactly. Right? And, and so, you know, so for example, I want to make sure, yes, I love the coaching moments, like that's the best. Um, but you know how you get coaching moments? You gotta sell coaching. <laughs> and if you don't like to sell, then you will be a lonely coach because you have no one to coach, right? You know, and you have to do your bookkeeping. And so my informational interviews were really to get a sense for what type of people um, really win and excel in this environment. And also, what are the hidden pieces that I just didn't know around it? So, you know, as a coach, for example, I, I have a strong alignment for my client and I had to make a decision was I only going to work with clients that took, that worked with me directly, mm-hmm. or was I going to be brought in by a company? Mm-hmm. Because the company may have a very different 
um, expectation than an individual does, right? And so I, so I wanted to get a sense for how other coaches were, were managing the confidentiality of the client and really wanted the best mm -hmm. for the client, but also for the company. And I, yeah. and I, was, I, got, I got comfortable with that, that that's part of the, the coaching arrangement. I, and I don't accept projects from companies that want me to, to advocate on their behalf and not give the, client, the individual what they need. But I had to understand that that was the reality. And so, you know, anybody, when you're looking into a new, whether it's a new career or a new, even starting a business or even a new business model within your, you know, within your existing business, talk to people about the realities of it. That will help you make a better decision. Because I feel like we, Perfect. sometimes we leave out, like, do I even want to do this, right? It sounds like a great business idea, but you have to want to do it. Yeah, perfect. That's a great uh, advice for me. Thank you. Uh, is there any mistakes that you are proud of that you did? <laughs> mistakes that I'm proud of? Yeah, or, oh, I don't know, there's so many mistakes, from. but am I proud of them? Okay. Um, mistakes that I'm proud of. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, probably the <laughs> the best mistake I ever made was not starting with a business plan. Okay. Um, now. Okay. That, now, this is not a mistake. That's perfect, actually, because there are so many female entrepreneurs without a plan. Without a plan. Listening to this. So, yes, yes. It's the best mistake, and, and now I am so big on, like, okay. you, like, you need a business plan if you're planning to raise money initially. Okay. Right? Because yeah. a business plan tells, tells a group of people that you, you have thought through what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. For the rest of us <laughs> who are not looking for funding right away. Um, a business plan becomes a really good excuse to think and not do, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so, and it was advice I got from a guy who was a coach, mm -hmm. and um, uh, and he said, he said, Tara, you're going to overthink everything. Exactly. And, and exactly. he said, and what you and you will use that. So for me, the selling is was always the hardest part. He's like, you're going to use this as an excuse to delay selling. So go, like. He sent me to, to a store to get business cards, like on the site, mm -hmm. got business cards. And then I started meeting with people and saying, hey, I do this. Do you know anyone that needs it? That was the full plan that I yeah. had. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I, I didn't even, honestly, um, legally incorporate for another six months after that. Well, like, I just went in and just started doing. So it was the most beautiful mistake. Um, like, you know, official mistake that they tell you yeah. from running a business. But it, it makes sense. It also gave, gave me time to figure out what I wanted this business to be, mm -hmm. right? What was the work that was selling? What was not selling? Um, and so, like, that, that was a happy, a happy um, error. So you also have coaches. Mm -hmm. You're yes. a coach and you also have coaches. Absolutely. I, tell, I will tell anyone, <laughs> yeah. do not get a coach that does not have their own coach. Okay. They don't believe in it. If, okay. not, if they can't put their money behind it, don't you put your money behind them. <laughs> Um, but, but I do, I mean, so I, I, if I could, if I had my magic wand, I would give everybody a coach. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something so powerful about having a thought partner, mm -hmm. someone who has no other agenda other than yours, mm -hmm. um, to help you think through things. And, and in, in the same ways that, that my, my coaches get stuck, I get stuck in old patterns, um, in doubt, I, like, I, I don't see things the way you know as clearly, and so my coach pulls that apart. Yeah, sometimes you need the third person. Yeah, I mean it, it is absolutely powerful, and, and and so I so I have a coach. I also have mentors. Mm -hmm. I also have peer mentors, and so mm -hmm. you you want to have an entire universe of people around you that support you. 
from different uh, like knowledges. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because everyone doesn't need to know everything. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. So better. It's better. But, yeah. <laughs> it's even better. Specialized. That is specialized. Yeah. Or, you know, so I've got I've got one mentor. She's just a great leader. Mm-hmm. She's not an entrepreneur, and mm-hmm. that's okay. I don't need her to, to tell me how to run a business. Yeah. Okay. Right. But I like the way she thinks. Mm-hmm. So when I see things, she asks me the right questions. Mm-hmm. Right. At the same time, I, you know, I've got some peers who are building businesses at the same time, and so we, you know, we can bounce off things from from a more commercial perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's my marketing. What do you think? I want to add this product or feature. How do we do this? Right, so they they work really well that way, um, and then I've got my coach and some of the emotional stuff mm-hmm. that I deal with. Like, you know, they like he he's a bit more specialized. He understands how to get to and through those pieces. And so so it, it takes a village to keep me going. Um, <laughs> and you should have your village too. Yeah, yeah, you should have a village too as well. Uh, what's your perspective about marketing? Mm, about marketing. So yeah. so. I, I'll give you one of my big pet peeves and then we'll talk about marketing in general. So one of my biggest pet peeves is that people think social media is different than marketing. Okay. Social media is just another set of platforms. And when people don't treat them that way, um, it gets weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're wasting a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of money. So you should be thinking about social media as an integrated part of, exactly. of your entire marketing plan. Um, and forget what everybody else says and does right so um so my thoughts on marketing are that they are marketing is critical mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to look the same for everybody exactly right you exactly. know like you like you depending on the size of your business you know so i i honestly did most first three four years with all referrals completely referrals like I, other than maybe some some just personal social marketing social media because you know everybody was on Facebook at the time mm-hmm. but I wasn't really doing anything uh, focused but the referrals really fed me and it's okay to say like look how do I lean into this yeah. benefit that I'm getting from referrals um, but the, the other piece of it is like so I I've been paying so much attention to the marketing space when it comes to entrepreneurship just in all, just on the internet and I gotta tell you, it makes me nervous because you have lots of people teaching everyone how to do the exact same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like do a webinar and then do this email newsletter and do this, and I'm just it's not the same for everyone. Like it cannot be the same for everyone. And what's happening is that more and more people, like if everyone's doing it, then your your clients are starting to get immune to it, right? We're used to seeing the same thing, so don't don't think of it that way. Really. Like the fundamentals of marketing still apply. Understand who your your primary customer is. Mm-hmm. Understand where your customer is and why they buy the things that you sell. Then figure out how to connect with more of those people. And it may be in person. It may be digital. It may be, you know, um, old school television or newspaper. It doesn't really matter what that is. It may be something even more creative. But just just go through that process and then and then don't doubt yourself because I think what. I think what ends up happening for a lot of young entrepreneurs, um, or even new entrepreneurs, is we want to spend and do anything and everything. Exactly. Um, not, not necessarily the best for us. It's not. I mean, I would say also, be, beware of perfection. Because a lot of times we'll wait to get things perfect to, perfect. Get, to, to get out. To get it done. Yeah. And you want to know the, like the, the worst feeling? You know, so I, I sell to a lot of corporate clients, right? Mm-hmm. And you would think of, of all the types of customers who where you need to be perfect. It would be these Fortune 100 companies or these really big companies. And? 
And then I go in, like after sweating my curls out, I go in and I'll look at some of the other people that they are paying. Yeah. And their their services are not as good as mine. Their products are terrible. I'm unimpressed with their mar- like everything. And and but they were there okay. first. Okay. They got out there, and while I was perfecting oh. my stuff, they were out there making the money. So you would be surprised what, what, I, what I tell people sometimes in my sessions is that excellence is appreciated, but it's not always required. And it feels very weird to say that, um, but if you look at like people that hire folks because they have a great reputation, people that hire, um, that work with people because they know them or they like them, they've seen them on the stage, they think they're impressive, you'd be surprised how, like, what other factors get used. Oh my used. gosh, this is so powerful. But I mean, but now I, like, so, I want you to start. I want you to start thinking about it. Like you know, start looking at some of the people yeah. that you that you've seen that have really big names, and then once you start to look at them, you're like, wait a minute, their stuff is no better than mine. Of course, yeah. And it happens all the time. But we, particularly women, um, will hold back rather than get out there. So what I have. So one of the things that I I, I, I say to my friends, and so you guys can use this. Like I will go to a presentation. Or I'll see somebody, and I'm like, he's making my money. That's my money. I could make that money because my stuff is better. Like, he's making my money. He's making my but money. I, but I have to admit okay. that but he didn't, and I didn't do it. Because yeah. I've been waiting to be better. Um, and so, the, like, the lesson, get, like, be, get out there, be bolder, be audacious, because they are making your money right now. Okay. Listen to her. Listen to her. Um... With what kind of people do you like to uh, surround yourself with? Mm. Um, I tend to like positive people, yeah, more so than negative people, just because there's there's so much negativity in the world that it's hard to um, they have an inner circle that that drags you down, right? Yeah. Um, I like creative people. Mm, okay, but I, but I. I I personally am someone that loves variety, so I love having people who are doing lots of different things because that's really where I get my energy. Like to, for me to hear what someone is doing who's a scientist, and I don't understand half the stuff they're talking about, but but, but I get bits and pieces of it, and then to talk to someone who's in entertainment, yeah. and then talk to someone that you know that could care less about any of those things, but is really passionate about stand-up comedy or something really. Yeah. Random. I start to see for me it's patterns, yeah. human patterns, and then they spark ideas. Um, there's actually a really great book. It's old now, um, called The Medici Effect. Okay. And the Medici Effect, um, written by Franz Johansson, it actually talks about the fact that there's not a lot of new ideas left of someone sitting in a room going. Eureka! Have an idea. Okay. Um, but instead, where the best new ideas exist is when you cross between different worlds, and all of a sudden you realize there's something in biology that is completely relevant to how we build buildings, mm-hmm. right? Or there's something in arts that can be transferred to technology, mm-hmm. exactly. and right, and that that's where there's a, there's a lot of answers. And so I kind of I subscribe to that. Yeah, the more knowledge you have, the more points you can connect. Right. Absolutely. But the only way that it works is that you have to listen to everybody. Like you have to feel like you can't you can't decide that the person who who works who works in construction has a lesser voice mm-hmm. than the person who's a scientist because then you'll never actually hear what they have to say. Exactly. How do you look at the work personal life balance? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I don't want to admit this. No. I, so, so I'm still working on the work-life balance piece of it. And I, I, have, I have tried all the methods, right? Yeah. Like, like there, there's different productivity mm-hmm. um, gurus out there. You're supposed to, you know, you can keep a list, you can keep it in your planner, you can do all those things. I'm bad at all of that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but, but Honestly? I, I know so honest. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to give up. Okay. Because it's it's too important. And so for me and for what I what I talk to my clients about is finding finding what works for you. So what what's interesting for me is like I am work life balance does not mean that I want to be done at five five o'clock every day. It's that like I'm I'm not that person. What what I have realized about myself is I I would I would much rather have my weekends free. Mm-hmm than to finish work at, a, at an arbitrary point in time. I'm also not a very big early morning person. Okay. Right? And so, I, so for work-life balance, what it looks like is you have to define what parts of life you need and kind of what fits in. Mm-hmm. So I, I am much more about following my energy. I have someone like, like okay. there's certain things that give me a ton of energy and then there's certain parts, parts of work and life that, that kind of drain me. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I did was I got a virtual assistant. Oh, nice. And the virtual assistant kind of helps me do some of the things that I'm not great about doing. Right? So, I, so I'm investing in those things. But, but the first step is to figure out what are those things that, that take away the joy out of your life. And so that's, how I, that's really how I look at it. Like, what is joyful? What gives me energy? And what, and what doesn't? And then how that timing you know, figures out, like, I could coach for, for hours and hours and hours and not feel tired. Exactly. I feel right? the same way. Like, yeah. I could totally be in that zone yeah. and not feel tired. Exactly. You know, like, when I facilitate, like, like, I don't go to the bathroom, I don't need to eat. Like, I am in the zone. The minute that I stop facilitation, it's like, oh, like, all <laughs> the energy flows out of me. Right? Yeah. So, so work-life balance for me will honor those pieces and at the same time give me space to rest and recover. Give me space to have a good time with my friends. Mm-hmm. And so, um, y- yes, I have not perfected it. Mm-hmm. But I refuse to give up because there's a version that works perfectly for me. But don't take on anyone else's version. Like, there's just there's so much stuff out there. Keep trying and keep mixing and matching the pieces that, that work for you. So I've got a, a founder. You know, she's, she's got a growing um, non, non-profit organization here in the U.S. And she, like, she, her things are very clear. She works out every morning. You you can't get a meeting with her before ten a.m. Okay, right? And and that's counter to all the crazy articles that you read mm-hmm. um, on the internet that says like what what does Steve what does Steve Jobs do for breakfast? Right? No, she's <laughs> fine because that's what she needs. Yeah. So you hired a virtual assistant. How did that look like? Well, so I I cheated. A little bit, so so I'll tell you how I hired a virtual assistant, mm-hmm. and I'll let you know what I'm about. Full full disclosure, I cheated because of someone that I, that I knew and I worked with before, mm-hmm. and she had decided to become a virtual assistant. Oh, okay, and so I had ultimate trust mm-hmm. in her, and I think that yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah, but I think you know, regardless of whether you have someone as, as fabulous as mine, mm-hmm. hi Latoya, <laughs> um, or you, you decide to use a service, the thing that becomes that you have to really do is figure out. What is it? What is the work that you can outsource to them? Okay. Because we as entrepreneurs, we're so used to doing everything that exactly. we're in the middle of everything. And so she, you know, because of our relationship, she would say, 
stop it. <laughs> Give mm-hmm. me this. Um, but most of your virtual assistants won't do that. Yeah. Right? True. Because you don't have a previous relationship and then you don't get the full value out of them. So so I would say before you get a, a virtual assistant, look at your work and start to see what what pieces can you give up and what would you need to give them. You know, so she does all my travel booking, she does all my invoicing, mm-hmm. she does um, a, a lot of kind of setting up the automation that I needed. Right, so when I first started, I had her helping to book my appointments, and, and she was great because she said, "You're spending a lot of time and money with me, with me going back and forth in emails. What if I set you up a, a scheduling app?" Right. Perfect. So she set up my <laughs> scheduling app, right, and yeah. so she handles exceptions. So I was able to kind of look at, at what's on my plate, and we're st- and we still are doing this. Um, the key is the more you can create a, create processes in your business the easier it is to give those processes to somebody else, whether it be a virtual assistant or if you outsource graphic design or whatever you outsource for your company. Um, and so setting up those processes really go a long way. Okay, nice. You have worked with some really big companies. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that look like at the beginning? Did you have any fear? Like, mm, did I have working with fear? such... <laughs> I don't know because uh, there are so many um, entrepreneurs hiding behind small projects because uh, they think they are not enough. Mm-hmm. This well, is why. And what's huge, right? So, so I have the benefit of having uh, been a consultant in a, in a really big company, yeah. right? Before, and so one of the things that you learn, and I don't know if I should give you guys the secret. Don't shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I told you this. We'll keep it. <laughs> when you're a consultant in a big company, and I, and I did I did so right after college, they put you into some of the biggest companies in the world, yeah. multinational, hugely successful, and you walk in and eventually you go, what does this even work? Right? Every company, like okay. like name the like the best company that that you've ever seen, the best company that's sitting on on a list of best companies to work for, best run companies. There's still inefficiency built in. There's still some really basic stuff, and and it's because of human nature, okay. right? Something that worked 20 years ago maybe doesn't work quite as well now, and no one has had the time to fix those things. Okay. Um, so, so what you realize is that everyone has value. Like just coming in with an external set of eyes, you see things that they don't see. Or you see things that, quite frankly, their employees have been saying for years, but no one can hear them, right? Or everyone's too busy. Um, and so, you know, so, the, so I'm not as nervous because I know that I can add value. And the reason I know this is because I'm going to listen to what they have to say. I'm going to look at what they're doing. I'm going to look at my own expertise. I'm going to look at the other things that I've seen. And I guarantee I will give them some insight, something different that they didn't know. Where people get nervous is they walk in and they say, I have to be the expert. I have to go in and tell Google, PepsiCo, Abbott, you know, whoever else, I got to go in and tell them what's what. Who am I, little company, to have the final answer on artificial intelligence, on <laughs> communications, yeah. on marketing yeah. to these big fancy companies. Yeah. And that's the wrong, that's the wrong question because that's, that's an intimidating question. Of yeah, course, yeah. as a small business, you're not going to like, unless you are like the only researcher in this one specific little area, they have way more resources. But what they don't have is your experience. What they don't have is what you've seen across companies because they're only in their companies. 
So focus on, on what inside. They, what they also can't see is they can't see themselves from the outside. And if you want a secret, a number of organizations that I've worked with, what they have said to me directly is what we like working about you is that you reflect things back to us that we don't see about our own company. Exactly. Right? They say, number one, you really care. Like, so, for example, I've, I've done, you know, part of what I do is training. So I've done training for a company for, for now, um, probably 10 years almost, that I've been doing training. And every couple, you know, every, I mean, once a year, I sit down and say, look, I've noticed this change in your culture. Because the, the types of questions that people ask are different. So, I, so I, I know you guys have been working on this. This thing has really landed, but this thing is brand new. And I think it's because you have a new generation. Mm -hmm. Where else would they get that? So now I have, I'm adding a value that nobody else can add just, because, just by nature of who I am. Um, and, and that's the same for no matter how big the name is. And so, so understand not only what is it you sell, but what is your value. Those two things can, can, will, will be different in some, in some ways and, and be confident in that. Oh my God, this was so powerful. Thank you so much. Uh, what was the best culture that you see, that you saw in a company like doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Okay. No, it no, it, doesn't, it doesn't exist because every every there there is a best version of a culture. Okay. Um, and, but every culture can be different. Yeah. Right. So, um, and and there are cultures that be great for me, yeah. but would be terrible for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I mean that, yeah. and that's the, that, and that's and that's why it's so hard to say. Like, of course, you know, every cult, every good culture, is one where the the employees that came in. Agree that that's what they wanted. Yeah. Right. So you were transparent, like the values that you claim to have, all the way from the time that you that people are hired to whenever they feel they feel consistent. Uh, people have opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. um, they, that they are valued and respected. Mm -hmm. That they are developed. Right. And it's a place where the, the the company is set up to succeed in whatever whatever the mission is. Right. Whether it's making money or changing the world or being a government. You all have a mission, <laughs> and and you know you you've got things set up. So where companies fall apart is that they have a set of values that they don't really live, okay. right? So we you you know you like to say that we are collaborative, but then when you look at at how do you rate employees, you evaluate them by ranking them against each other. Okay, that that, that doesn't help with collaboration, right? Um, but then here's the flip side. There's some organizations where healthy competition is part of their culture. Mm -hmm. Now, I, don't, I may not love a, a competitive environment, but some people like create like they love a good competition. Not not in a in a mean way, but like yes, let's like let's yeah. let's beat the let's beat the competitor, <laughs> yeah. right? And a healthy comp there's a way to create a, a wonderful culture around healthy competition. So, so if, you know, if you as an entrepreneur are trying to build a culture within your organization, the first question becomes, what are the core values that would inspire me, yeah. right? Because it's your business, build it about you, <laughs> about your values. Mm -hmm. And then how consistent am I in all these pieces? And that's where it falls apart. We tend to say like, oh, well, this is what, this is what Netflix does. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do a little bit of Netflix. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, I read this great article about, you know, this is what Google does. I'm going to throw a little bit of Google on top of that. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you wake up, your values are different from your actions. And then that, that's how you create a culture that people don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, this was a long interview and really good one. Sorry. One of the best. I, I talked too much. So no, I loved it. And uh, maybe if we could uh, finish with just one advice for the entrepreneurs that will be listening to this, mm-hmm. maybe your final thoughts that you would share. <laughs> I have so many thoughts for you. Um, <laughs> maybe just um, one. So I'd say start. Just just start. There are things that you're holding back on because you don't think that they're right or they're not enough. Okay. Um, just start because you all like you can always fix them on the way, but but holding back will always you always wonder what what you could have done. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to leave us a review and to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channel Passionate Fempreneur.